Men, thanks for listening to our 920 Man Challenge podcast. These are Bible teachings that are meant to be discussed alongside other men in community at our Blankenbaker Man Challenge gathering, where we prioritize developing a competent and confident understanding of who Jesus is and authentic and intentional male relationships. We hope this teaching of God's Word grows your relationship with the Lord, and we urge you to unpack it in your relationship with others. Enjoy! Good morning. Morning, fellas. Morning. Welcome, welcome. Jay Dorchin here. Anybody seen Jay? No? All right. Well, we're going to break in FH2 the right way, the Jay Dorch way. Some of you guys hate this. Some of you guys love it. Everybody hop up on your feet. Give two to three dudes a bro hug. That's the Jay Dorch style. And he's not even here for it, Burke. He's not even here. Grab a dude at a table behind you. Hug it out. Oh, yeah. Feel that love. All right. Bring it back in, bring it back in. Wasn't that great? All right. Well, good morning. Welcome to Man Challenge. My name is Sam Reeder. I'm one of our lay leaders here with Men's Ministry. Uh, welcome to, I believe, week five of Man Challenge this semester. So kudos for those who've stuck around. Uh, every week when we have this kind of MC host time, we want to just kind of recap what our, our men's values are and try to highlight one of them. So we've got a slide that pops up. You see it literally every week. Uh, but one I want to hone in on for a second is a heart to invest in others. That's the one at the bottom. So this morning I want to give you uh, two opportunities, one for you to invest in others and one where we want to invest in you. Uh, so very quickly, show of hands. I know it's early and I'm asking for a lot from you, but how many of you guys have a middle schooler in your house? At least one. Okay, all right. Well, the MSM needs some help. That's not the mainstream media. That's the middle school ministry uh, here at Southeast. They need some help. So uh, Sunday morning service, you know, we have a 9 a.m. and 11.15. And from the 11.15 on in the block, the building where we used to meet, that's where uh, middle school ministry meets. And so they need some volunteers who will do one of a few things. And really what they need is about 10 dudes. They need about 10 men to raise their hand and say, yeah, I'll help. So before I even give you the what, just if you look around, there's at least 10 men in here. If one table said we want to own this, if 3% of the room said, yeah, I'll do this, it's over and the need is met. So this is very practical and we should be able to knock this out, but quickly. So much like us, they have a big group session and then they break off into small groups and each group has a leader and a co-leader. They need a couple adult men to just be a co-leader with another dude and just hang out with some middle schoolers for an hour, hour and a half. Just get to know these kids, have fun with them, get to know their names, and just try to be a source of salt and light in their life. That's it, not super complicated. And if you think back to middle school, which at some point every one of us were there, uh, that's a super influential season of life where right before the next chapter where the world comes calling quick, you have an opportunity to invest in some of the youth. It's real easy 
to say bad things about the next generation to come up. It's, it's a godly thing to instead say, I'm going to go invest in them myself. Uh, so if you're a dude with a bunch of gray hair and a bunch of gap or margin in your calendar, great opportunity to pour into some youth. If you've got a middle, middle schooler, great opportunity for your kids to see that you are prioritizing them and their peers. If you don't have kids yet, great opportunity to get some experience. So if you are uh, willing or open to the idea of looking into that, there are some hoops you have to jump through to be a volunteer at Southeast, and praise God that there are. One of those, thankfully, includes a background check. Uh, so you've got to do that. You have to have six months of verifiable attendance. That counts like coming to Man Challenge or if you check kids in on the weekend. So if you are available to consider that, Shoot an email to uh, bbmens, so blankenbakermens at secc.org, uh, and Andy will get you connected with Isaac, who is the head of middle school ministry. We need, again, about 10 dudes. Also, I didn't want to tell you this because this is the one thing we all want to do. They do need some dudes to help with security. So if you're into, like, doing burpees and power cleans and wearing dark shades, they need some tough guys to walk around and to kind of keep an eye on the place. And, yes, that counts as service. So, uh, again, email bbmens at secc.org. So that's an opportunity to invest in others. Here's an opportunity uh, for us to invest in you. At your table, there is a fancy QR code. It may or may not scan. If it doesn't, don't sweat it. We'll shoot you an email with a link. But we have a survey with three questions, it'll take you less than a minute. We are working on making a men's conference. It would be like a one-day Saturday event for a few hours where we want to have everybody in a room like this and have some breakout sessions and let you pick what your breakouts are. And so the survey is essentially asking, what areas do you feel like you need to be more equipped in? Where do you need more training, you specifically? Not like, well, I mean, Terrence probably needs to work on his humility, but rather like... Do you have difficulty sharing your faith at work? Cool, tell me that because we want to build this around what your needs are and to help invest in you. Make sense? Cool, you've got like a week to do that. Uh, so lastly, this week we are going to continue in our series in 2 Timothy. We have finally finished chapter 1. We are moving at breakneck speed and we'll be moving into chapter 2. And our teacher this week is the one and only Chris Morgan. Go ahead and... Welcome him out, if you will. What's up, bro? So uh, you guys have seen Chris teach here before. Chris, you came on staff here at Southeast officially when? January. Cool. And along with that, you have another job, Louisville FCA? FCA. Been doing that for 24 years. 24 years. Okay. So a couple years. Uh, you guys have, have gotten to hear this guy preach and teach uh, but I would love to just ask you a couple questions that might maybe give these guys a peek behind the curtains in the Morgan home, wow. uh, okay. if that's okay. Uh, for those of you guys who are Louisville football fans, maybe like me, you have fun looking for this guy or Pete Nocto on the sidelines. Anytime somebody gets ran off out of the field, I'm always looking like, where's Morgan, where's, where's Pete? Uh, but this last Friday night, marquee game, a lot of hype going into it. I didn't see you on the sidelines. I'd no, like to no. maybe hear about that. Is that intentional? Well, I mean, it was a hard decision, but um, my, uh, my daughter had a cross-country meet, and I always wanted to be that guy that, that didn't kind of shepherd other young men and forget about your own. Hmm. And um, some things you, um, you have to be at, so I'm, this is not a guilt or shame thing, but uh, I could have asked someone else to do that. 
And so it was hard for me to do it, but um, I asked one of our players if, if um, he would do the chapel. And um, he said, are you serious? I said, yeah, I would love to go watch my daughter. And he said, I'll do it if you, if you teach me. And then that got me. So we, we sat down and we kind of talked about um, what he would talk about. And everyone really won. I know we didn't win the game, but other than that, everybody won. Um, I won because I got to see my daughter. Evan won because he got to speak to the team. Our team won because they got to see a peer speak. Our coaches won because they get to see kind of the products of people that they recruited and kind of raising up. And my, and my daughter won. And so it, it was a win-win situation. I'm, I'm glad I did it. I'd like to say it was an easy call. It wasn't because um, we can create our own little idols. And, and it, when a good thing becomes an ultimate thing, it becomes a bad thing. And so that, that was to expose maybe some possible sin. That could, that could possibly be an idol in my life if I don't watch it. It goes unchecked. So. Thanks for sharing that, man. I love you. you. had the opportunity to be on national television, marquee game, a lot of hype. And you said, I love you guys, but I'm going to go. I'm going to go support my daughter. If like, y'all are looking for me, man, we're in the wrong thing. You better be watching awesome. that ball. We better score some touchdowns. Yeah. <laughs> so. uh, one more question real quick. Yeah. So you, you, you serve here at Southeast. Uh, you serve with Louisville FCA. Also, there's another thing I've heard about D1 discipleship. What in the world is that about? Yeah, that's, that's something to come alongside of FCA. Um, I was discipled by a guy that I, I, I told you that before. That it was a nine-month deal. We kind of lived there with a couple guys. And, and I've always wanted to do that. So when my supervisor, direct report with FCA, he said, you've been here 20-plus years. Dream a little bit. What do you want to do? I said, I'd love to create something where I have a discipleship program where guys live with me. And so for the past two years, we've had guys live with us. I've got three guys that live with us, live with us now. They live in the basement. Um, get a chance to disciple them Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. They actually are responsible for having a table in here. Um, they have to have a job, and then they have to serve somewhere in the local church. And that, that program, so to speak, starts in August, and it ends in May. Because uh, I, I, I want us to do life together. I want them to see me in good times, but I also want them to see me in times where and I just did it yesterday. Well, I said, hey, guys, you, I, lost my, I lost my cool with one of my kids. And, and, and I said that. I got a little too high. And I apologize to those guys. I want them to see, I want to see what, what a, a godly man, so to speak, that you just don't want to see him when he's on. And so I want, to see, I want them to see how I interact with my wife, how I interact with my kids, how we, um, we go out and we work around the home. Um, really, I just adopted three older guys, postgraduate guys. That's awesome, man. You are serious about making disciples. I love that about you. And to help clarify for our man, Burke, are we trying to make a disciple-making culture, or is it a discipleship culture? Is it discipleization? What's, what's the, the verb we're going with? I think a discipleship culture. Perfect. Got it. All right, let's pray for That's this guy, think, and we'll get it going. Uh, Father God, thank you for this man who is faithful and able uh, thank you for your word that does not change and that is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. I pray that you would use it this morning, Spirit, to convict sin, to encourage hearts, uh, to sanctify every man in this room. And would we leave here with a clearer picture of your son Jesus in order that we would both worship him and strive to live to honor him each and every moment of today. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Sam. I guess you, we could probably say um, arguably, but I think at this point now, it's unarguably 
the best college football coach in the country would have to be Nick Saban. Okay? They put a product out every single year that is competing for the national championship. Not only putting out a product does Nick Saban do, but he also does a great job of raising up, discipling people in the coaching profession. This is a picture right here of the 2015 um, Alabama football coaching staff. All right? If you look at that, if, if I'm right, uh, you got a couple coaches in there that you may not recognize their face, but here's who they are. Kirby Smart is now the head coach at Georgia. Lane Kiffin is now the head coach at Ole Miss. Mel Tucker is now the head coach at Michigan State. Mario Cristobal is the head coach at Miami. Billy Napier is the head coach at Florida. And Dan Lanning is the head coach of Oregon. That's discipleship. That's taking people under your tutelage. That's, that's showing them um, how to be the best at their profession or how to coexist and not just be good but be great at whatever it is that you're called to do. And maybe you're like, hey, that's great. I'm not a sports fan. Okay, well, let's look at this right here. Next screen. There we go. What about those guys? Mark Zuckerberg. He was mentored, discipled by Steve Jobs. What about this next guy? Bill Gates. He was discipled, mentored by Warren Buffett. What about this next one? Oprah. Discipled, encouraged, developed by um, Mayo Angelio. That's, that's discipleship. Chris Burke said last week, he stood up here and he said that we are all discipling people. The question is just what are we discipling them at? What are we showing? May it be that we show and live out the things of the word. And maybe you're like, Chris, I'm not that guy that's going to sit down for nine months and for four days a week open up their Bible Nobody's trying to say that. God has gifted us all in different ways. That doesn't make me varsity and somebody else JV. That's, please don't miss, don't get that point. But we want to take people to the word of God. Yes, I believe that we want to create a discipleship-making culture. When you say that, that word culture, it should mean something. That it's not just something that you're just words that you're throwing around. We use that word a lot, culture, Okay. Stephen Ambrose, I don't know if you know that name. Stephen Ambrose is an author. Um, in 1993, he created a book. And then in 2001, that book became a movie. And in this book, in this movie, they looked at the most decorated unit of World War II. They even gave themselves a name. It was called Easy Company. And Ambrose, as he studied these, these men, as he studied Easy Company, he said the secret sauce of why this group was successful is because they had an incredible love for one another. That easy, the men in Easy Company, if they were injured, they would leave the hospital early just because they did not want to have the chance or even the risk of being transferred to another unit. They would rather die with their unit than live with another. They had an incredible love for those guys. We've looked the past couple of weeks about Paul has this incredible love for Timothy. I, I hope that we have dug in enough of what that looks like. But I'd like for us to read the text and then we'll kind of polish it off just a little bit. And I think it's going to speak to all of us. So let's look at 2 Timothy chapter 2. 
verses 1 through 7. Here's what it says. You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. It is the hardworking farmer who ought to have his first share of the crops. Think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. He starts out by saying, then you, my child. Timothy, you, my child. We've talked about that a couple weeks, about the love that Timothy has, that Paul has for Timothy. He's basically saying, Timothy, I want you to man up, that you don't coward away or fall in the apparent drift toward giving in. Don't you run. Don't you back away. You hold your ground. Well, we'll look at in a couple weeks about that, that, that we are to run to the breach. The breach is the, is the most fierce part of the battle. And as believers, that's what we're called to do. That we're not supposed to cower away. We're not supposed to walk away. We are actually supposed to stand our ground. And standing our ground means that we believe in something. He says, you then, my child, be strong in the grace. You know, there's something about that word grace, isn't it? May we never grow so much in our walk that we really forget what it's like to really feel the grace of God. Grace, G-R-A-C-E. Bob Russell used to say it like this. God's riches at Christ's expense. There's something powerful about grace. In the late 40s, there was a guy by the name of Branch Rickey that was a recruiter for the Brooklyn Dodgers. He stumbled upon a gem of a player. This guy was the top of his pedigree. I mean, he, he was the man, so to speak. However, it came with a challenge because in the late 40s, they didn't let African-Americans play baseball. And so as Branch Rickey approached Jackie Robinson, he said, hey, we would love to have you be part of our organization, but let me tell you how this is going to be. You're going to go into some places and some spaces where people are going to say all kinds of bad things for you. And not only going to say some bad things to you, they're going to say a lot of bad things to me. So let's you and I calculate this cost and see if it is worth it. Jackie Robinson signed up, and he was part of the Brooklyn Dodgers. And the story goes like this, that in 1947 against the Cincinnati Reds, it had become too much. There was a lot of chatter. There was a lot of things being thrown and said at Jackie Robinson that he had enough. And that's where the story goes that a guy by the name of Pee Wee Reese goes over and puts his arm around Jackie Robinson. And he is quoted as saying, this is my teammate and my friend. Imagine what that felt like. Imagine that grace and that love and the acceptance that Jackie Robinson must have had when a white man puts his arm around a black man during a game at a time that that didn't happen. Grace. Grace is modeled. Grace is received. Grace is something that we don't earn. It says be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. We talked a couple of weeks ago about the power of a preposition. 
You never would have thought that English would be power in a, in a word. In, the word, the preposition is used before now to show importancy or direction. It's not found in anything else other than Christ. Be strong, my son, in the grace that is in Christ. You know, we try to find our meaning and significance in everything in the world. But there's only one thing that can truly fulfill the emptiness that we yearn for. And that is a relationship with Christ. It's not earned and it's not given. It's free. It's a gift. I have a chance to, to talk to some students with a lot of different backgrounds of faith. I talked to a guy not too long ago of the Muslim faith. And we started talking about the differences between Christianity and and Islam. And, and as we started talking about it, he said, how do you know for certain? And I said, I, I know because it's, it's not on my own. It's something that I did not do to deserve this. And then I kind of flipped the script a little bit because I knew a little bit about what he believes. And I said, now, now you, on the other hand, you believe in the five pillars of Islam, correct? He looks at me, his eyes are like brook trout, wide open. You know a little bit, yeah, yeah, yeah. So five, there's five things that you have, you have to do. And even when you do these five things, you're really just kind of crossing your fingers. The first thing that you have to do is you have to, to be able to repeat the shahada. That's a, that's a saying or that's a prayer, and here's what that is. There is no God but God alone. The messenger of God is Allah. Muhammad, I'm sorry, Muhammad, the God is Allah. The second thing that you have to do, you have to do is you have to pray five times a day facing Mecca in the, in the dawn, in the new, in the midday, um, at dusk, and at night. Third thing you have to do is you have to, to, to fast. You have to go through a period where you fast. And then the next thing is you have to give a certain amount. And then the last thing you have to do is you have to go to Mecca. And so I said, all of those five things, do you pray five times a day? No. You ever been to Mecca? No. You give? No. When you lay your head on the pillow at night, do you think that you've been good enough? He said, man, I don't think anyone can know. Man, when I lay my head on the pillow at night, I go to sleep. I rest. How can you be so sure because it's not what I do? It's what he's already done. And I accept this free gift. So Paul is telling Timothy, hey, you be strong, that is in the grace that can only be found in Christ. And let's get to our text in verse 2. It says, and what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust this to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Timothy was walking with Paul. That's why I love having those men live with me or us. It's not just sitting down and like giving a five-point message on the book of Romans. There may come a point in time where we talk about Romans, but there's also conversations in between cutting the grass. And there's also conversations when it's a commercial at the football game. And there's also conversations like, hey, man, I heard you say this to your daughter. Can you, what do you mean by that? It's conversational pieces. Man, this guy was discipled because of proximity Paul was pouring into him, not just theology, but life. He heard him, but he saw the gospel lived out. 
the word entrust. And what you've heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust. That word for that is the word impleco. The word impleco means basically this. It means to put something in someone's care. You're putting something in someone's care. You're entrusting them this. To others who will be able to teach others also. You've heard the, the phrase before. If you give a person a fish, he'll eat for a day. But if you teach a person how to fish, he'll eat for the rest of his life. That's, that's what our, our hope is, is that we are telling people how to fish. Vance Habner once said that salvation is this. I'm just a beggar telling other beggars where I found bread. That's, that's it. So he's telling that. Basically, he sees four generations in here. We miss it if we don't kind of read it slow. Paul says this. He says, what you, you have heard from me, entrust of faithful people who will be able to teach others also. That's four generations right there. Paul, Timothy, the men they entrusted to, they will be able to teach others also. It's four, four generations right there. It's basically compound interest. We'll do that with our money, though, and it makes perfect sense. <laughs> perfect sense when we do that with our money. If we put a certain amount of money in, what it would do is you put it at a young age and you don't touch it, it would just compound. You'll live on the interest alone. The same thing will work with ministry. If... Just take our time, trust God in the process. It's a ministry of multiplication. If, if my figure is right, which I think it is because I asked a couple people on it, if I disciple one person, just one person for one year, just intentional discipleship, if I do that one person for an entire year, if I do that for 24 years, oh, I'm sorry, 20 years, if I do that for 20 years, I'll have 20 people that I have discipled by God's grace. If I disciple one person for a year with the hope and desire and the expectation that that one person goes and does the same thing for the next year, and on so, and on, and on, and on, and, and we do that for 20 years, do you know how many people, how many disciples would have been raised, so to speak? 550,000. It's compound interest. 20 years just discipling one who will go and disciple one. Who will go and disciple one. Who will go and disciple one. That's, that's what this is. You know what the difference is between a horse and a mule? They both work. They both have a little bit of different DNA. But a mule cannot reproduce. It dies. dies out horse can reproduce. What would it look like if the church, if we became horses and we reproduced ourselves? A lot of times people will ask the question, man, you got, there's 27,000 people at Southeast. 27,000 what? Man, may we be disciple makers. Verse 3 says this, share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Paul says, hey, look, I want you to share in suffering with me. There's going to be pain. There will be heartache. This is not easy. 
Man, if we were at some churches, man, there were a lot of people who would have said, amen. It's not easy. Had a, I have a nephew that um, a few years back, he signed up for the military. And um, I approached him when I found out, stuck out my hand, and I said, thank you. He said, for what? Man, signed up for the military. He's like, oh, yeah, it's, it's no big deal. No, it's a big deal. You didn't just sign up. And, and I got to kind of watch myself. Sometimes when I get worked up, I'll say some things that maybe I need to pull back. Um, you didn't sign up for the GI Bill. You didn't sign up for those three squares, those fatigues. You really signed up to potentially die. So I thank you for that. We have one, if not many, in this group right here that have done that. I had um, the privilege a couple weeks ago to talk to, um, to Herb Stucker. And I asked him the question, what does it mean to be a good soldier? Herb is 75 years old. Um, he was drafted in 1966, fought in Vietnam. So, Herb, what does it mean to be a soldier? He looked at me, and he said three things. He said them like this. It was like, like I had prepped him for this. He said, the three things it takes to be a soldier is this. You've got to love what you're fighting for. You've got to love the people that you're fighting with. And you've got to love the willingness to sacrifice all for a cause. I follow that dude anywhere. There's something about being a soldier. And Paul is saying, hey, Timothy, let me, let me tell you what you signed up for. You didn't sign up for the country club at such and such and such. No, it's going to be some hard times. Sometimes I wish we lived in the world of the cable TV preachers. That's not true. We sign up, but we suffer, but we suffer for a cause. It's okay. This is not the best world, man. There's one yet to come. And, man, I have confidence in that. We all should as believers in Christ. Here's what he's going to say in verse 4. He's going to say no soldier gets involved in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. There's a word entangled. That word entangles means to trip up, to weigh us down. And Paul is saying, hey, Timothy, don't you get tripped up. Don't you get weighed down, not in bad things. What does he say? Don't get tangled up in civilian things. That means good things. You know, I've, I've come to the, reach the age in my life, and you have too probably, that you're not saying no to bad things anymore. Guess what you got to say no to? We got to say no to some good things. Man, I asked Chris Burke not too long ago if he would speak. Um, this was last year. Last year, he would speak to our coaches. We get a group of um, coaches that meet on Wednesday during the season, our football coaches. If you come and speak and share to guys. Hey, Chris, I'd love to, but you know what? That's the night I do something with my kids. Well done, man. That's a good thing. Good thing, speaking to those coaches, is really, really good. But the best thing is him saying no to this. And when he says no to this, He's able to say yes to this. Paul is saying, Timothy, don't you get weighed down with good things. But what do you do? You want to please the one who enlisted you. Be about the gospel. 
Don't get caught in all these sidebar conversations. You keep the main thing, the main thing, and the main thing is the gospel. I'm not an engineer or a mechanic, but they tell me the most important thing of a car is the, is the powertrain. The powertrain. If you have a, a, an okay set of tires and you have a good powertrain, your car will move forward. The powertrain is simply the, tra- the engine, the transmission, and the crankshaft. If you have those three, if we have those three things, our car will move forward. We'll go in the right direction. All the rest is just chrome, man. Just shiny stuff. So may we not get caught up in the fog smoke or the loud noise, but may we be focused on the things that matter the most. A soldier is focused on his task at hand. So he says, you be focused. You be a good soldier. The second thing he's going to say is in verse 5. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. Now, in this day and time, they have what's called the Isthmian Games. The Isthmian Games were like the modern-day Olympics, and they would come from all over the surrounding cities, countries, and they would come and they would come and compete, and they would crown a winner. He's basically saying that an athlete, if you're in these Isthmian Games, you have to commit, you have to be disciplined in certain areas. Because it's essentially what a, a person that's comedic or competing in these Isthmian games, what they have to do is before they compete, they stand in front of what's called the Bema. And the judge will look down upon them and look at the athlete and say, did you compete according to the rules? That we have to, as Paul says, to buffet our body and make it our slave. For the longest, I thought that that word said buffet your body. Man, give your body anything that it wants, and it's not that way. I mean, I've talked to people like that, athletes, that, man, they go years and years without eating pizza. They go years and years without doing this. They go all kinds of certain seasons, and they give things up. Why? Because they want to make their body their slave. They want to tell their bodies, no, we don't do that. We do this. And so Paul is saying, Yes, you want to be like a soldier. You want to be incredibly focused at the task at hand. You want to be disciplined like an athlete. Guess what an athlete wins in this Isthmian Games? I mean, we're used to kind of seeing these big bow rings. That's what they win. So they put a crown of celery, basically, (laughs) on their head. Now, that, that trophy is dead in 24 hours. If that, or they may overgo by underneath the tree and eat it. They win or they fight for a thing that is bigger than this. We fight, we stand, we suffer if we must, we focus, we are disciplined because this is not the best world. There's one yet to come, so we stand. I was always fascinated with the first century, this guy by the name of Polycarp. I don't know if you've heard of Polycarp. Polycarp was discipled by the apostle John. Okay, one of the 12. So you have John discipling Polycarp. Now, they were killing Christians during this time. 
And so what they were going to do is they were going to burn Polycarp at the stake. And so the people that are leading him to the, t- the center of the town, they were going to burn him at the stake. And, and, and my man Polycarp is witnessing to the God that's walking him down. He's sharing his faith about how he believes in Christ. And then they get him to the middle, and the story goes that they went to tie his hands against the stake. And Polycarp says this, there is no need to tie me up for I am not going anywhere. Ooh. Wow. I'll tell you what will stir your heart more than a romantic movie. What will stir your heart more is a, is a story of courage, of someone that will stand their ground. Polycarp did that. Many disciples did that. Many of us are struggling and trying our hardest to stand in a world that is broken. May we do that. May we be like a soldier and be focused. May we be like an athlete and be disciplined. And the last, let's look at the last verse. It says, it's the hardworking farmer who ought to receive the first share of its crops. Now, I'm not from the country, okay? I'm from the city. Lived in Louisville, moved to Memphis, Tennessee, lived in Memphis for maybe eight, nine years, then we moved back to Louisville, okay? I played football at a small school, Campbellsville University, NAI school, okay? So I'm here with these these country folk, and I'm playing football with these guys. And as soon as the practice was over, I saw a lot of these hillbilly guys, country dudes, they took off running with their stuff, put their stuff in the back of their truck. They got in the car and they took off. I asked coach, I said, hey, where are those guys going? They're going to go work tobacco in their field for their families because that's how their family survived. Wow. I'm, I'm not doing that. I did it sometimes with them just because I wanted to see it. It's hard work about being a farmer. But Paul uses the illustration in this text for a reason. One of the reasons is that farmers work hard. They work. We're not supposed to just lean on a shovel and pray for a hole. No. You get to digging. There's something about farmers. Again, I'm not a farmer, but they tell me that what you do is this, that what you do is you just take something and you conflict the ground. You tear up the ground. So conflict actually is a good term. In, In our marriage, we need good, healthy conflict. In our relationships, we need good, healthy conflict. On our teams, we need good, healthy conflict. In our churches, we need good, healthy conflict. And the farmer, what the farmer does is he conflicts the ground, he throws the seed down, and then guess what the farmer does? Goes to bed, and he prays that God will make it rain. I have seen poor farmers. I've never seen a lazy farmer. If a farmer's a lazy, he'll be dead for too long, or he'll get another occupation. They get up early. They work. They do what they can. They just do what they can, and they pray that God will do what he do, what he needs to do, or what he will do. Here's what they need to bring in a crop, and I'm about done. Here's what they need to bring in a crop. They need good seed. They need good seed. A farmer will tell you you need good seed. A farmer will tell you that you need good soil. 
A farmer would tell you that you need to water the seed. The farmer will tell you that you've got to have the sun. The sun is going to do a whole lot of stuff to your crop. And the last thing a farmer will say is, you're going to need some time. Now, take that illustration about a farmer. Why is it, why is it here? Because the same way as in our Christian walk with discipleship. What, what do we need to produce someone that looks like us and somebody that I look to before me and somebody that he looked to before him and somebody that he looked to before him? And so what do they look like? Well, they have to have a lot like that farmer. They have to have the seed. They got to have good seed. This is our seed. This is our seed. This is it. You know, to get the word um, seminary, the word seed actually means semen. Let me teach you. <laughs> you didn't know we was going to talk about semen today, did you? <laughs> the word semen means seed. That's actually where you get the word seminary. Because seminaries are supposed to bring the word. So our seed as farmers is the word of God. The second thing that we need is we need good soil. We need men that will approach this word of God and be fertile soil. Be tillable. Be able to, to, to be able to have things to, to produce a harvest. Just be a good soil. Just be there. Really just be present. That ground is just there. It's good ground though. Second thing is what? It's water. It's the water, the water of the word. There's something about that. And the next thing is you need the sun. The sun brings warmth. We need as believers to come alongside. There's nothing more than when, when I'm going through a problem that's happened to me not too long ago. Don't think I'm standing up here and I'm just exempt. I've just got to the point where I don't have any problems. I've, I've had people, I've, I've said Burke enough, but Burke's one of those guys. Terrence could be one of those guys. Eric Wood was one of those guys. Ronnie's one of those guys. I've got so many people in here that as I look across, I feel bad I'm mentioning names. But as not too long ago, I've had a couple guys come around me. It's going through a hell of a time. Yes. And those dudes put their arms around me and said, hey, it's going to be all right. Just keep your nose in your Bible. Keep loving your wife. Keep loving those girls. There's something about the sun that brings warmth brings encouragement. And lastly, a good farmer compared to discipleship, it's going to take some time. Man, just don't think, just don't think that you start coming to man challenge and boom, you're going to be there. And not only you just be there, the expectation for you to be there. Man, you just come and you take in what your table's doing. And if this is all new to you, that's fine. You just keep taking little, little baby steps. Baby steps. Just baby steps. And then before you know it, God is doing something in us that we're asking more questions. Asking questions are great. So Paul says, Timothy, my son, you be strong. You don't coward away. You be strong. It is in the grace of Christ Jesus. You suffer hardship with me as a good soldier. No soldier gets involved in civilian affairs because they want to please the one who enlisted them. An athlete cannot compete unless he competes according to the rules. 
And a good farmer, a good farmer eat the first of his crops. Man, I hope that today, I hope your, your table time is fantastic. I hope that you're authentic. I hope that you be 100% you and not try to be anyone else at your table. And when we are do that, God does something that only he can do. Let me pray for us. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for that you died on the cross for a sinner like me. And I'm thankful, Lord, that you have placed men in my life that I just sat and watched. And eventually they asked me questions. And they let me participate in what they were doing. And God, we grew. We grew together. I'm thankful for those guys. That they took time with me. And in my brokenness and my mess, they loved and coached me up. And now, Lord, I want to entrust this to other people who will be able to teach others also. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks, man. Thanks for listening to this week's Bible teaching from Man Challenge at the Blankenbaker campus of Southeast Christian Church. For more information on how to get involved, reach out to us via the email address in our podcast description or find us on social media. 